Time now for 15 Minutes of Faith, practical application of God's timeless truth for today. A ministry of Harvest Baptist Church in Bay City, Michigan, where we glorify God, live His purpose, and love people well. So let's get growing with 15 Minutes of Faith. Once again, and welcome to 15 Minutes of Faith. I am your host, Pastor Jeremy Byler of Harvest Baptist Church in Bay City, Michigan. And today I have a question for you. What is it that you desire out of the Christian life? What's your desire? What is it that you would like to get out of the Christian life? I know some are saying, well, heaven, and that's great. And if you've called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, asked for forgiveness of sins, and called upon him to be Lord and Savior of your life, you are guaranteed heaven. But that is the eternal life. That's the eternal destination. And you know, the Christian life is more than just waiting to go to heaven when we die. It's a sanctified life, walking with Christ day by day. And many of us are born again. We are living the Christian life, or at least we should be, and that involves reading the Bible, going to church, being discipled, discipling, and growing in the Lord. I often ask my family here at Harvest Baptist Church, where is God challenging you today? And that's a good question to ask yourself, because if you don't know, then you won't grow. And you need to figure out where God is growing you in your life and ask him each and every day, God, where do you want me to grow today? But aside from growing in the Lord and taking that next step, what is it that you desire out of the Christian life? What is the end result? What kind of Christian do you want to grow into be? For some people, the Christian life, their expectation is just being a better person. Maybe their unsaved condition, the the life they lived uh, astray from the Lord was one of vile lasciviousness, was one of uh, just a life of recklessness, and they've done a lot of damage, and they've come to Christ and surrender, and they just want to be a better person. Some people out of the Christian life, they just want to figure out life's problems. They said, I've tried it my way my whole life, and nothing ever seems to work out. And I am going to buy into the Christian life. I am born again. I have called upon Jesus for salvation, and I am going all in on this because I need to figure out what is wrong with my life. Some people have a grand desire to make the world a better place, to say, I'm going to be the best Christian that I can be, and I'm going to do what I can and I'm going to make this world a better, a better place uh, for the cause of Christ. Which leads to some people, uh, they expect out of the Christian life just to be a servant of God. They said, Christ, you died for me and I'll live for you. And my life is to be one of a servant, one of servitude, and, and that's what I want to do for you. Whatever you would have me to do, Lord, that will I do. And at its basest form, some people, uh, their only expectation out of the Christian life is to avoid an eternity in hell. They said, you know what, I know Christ died for my sins, and I know if I don't call upon him, I am destined for an eternity in hell, so I will call upon Jesus for salvation, just so I know that I'm going to heaven when I die. Now, most of these things are very noble. Obviously, when you surrender to Christ, and you live the crucified life, and you live the life in the fullness of the Spirit, you will be a better person. Uh, Some of the things you may figure out in regards to the problems that you had, a a life of sowing and reaping to the flesh. And, you know, if you work on yourself, eventually you could have an impact and make even the smallest part of the world a better place. And all of us should be a servant of God, but 
Today we're going to look at the desire of one of the most respected Christians in the Bible, and that is the Apostle Paul. And we're going to see what his desire was. He had a desire in his Christian life. You see, the Apostle Paul was a man who traveled to many places, preaching the word. Everywhere he went, he would go into the, into the synagogue there and he would preach Christ into them. And he would try to convince them that Jesus was the Christ and to come unto the knowing salvation of Jesus Christ. And in doing that, he endured many trials and tribulations. He was beaten. He was stoned. And what that means is they would take large boulders, and throw him on the ground, and then throw boulders on him with the intention of killing him. And he was stoned several times where they thought he was dead but continued to live. He was whipped with something called a cat of nine tails. Uh, given 40 stripes, save one. He was shipwrecked, and he was also imprisoned. And we get the verse in the book of Philippians where it says, I have learned whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. was the Apostle Paul writing that from a prison cell. And the prison cells of those times were cold, wet, dark, moldy, mildewy, uh, with chains and shackles and sores and wounds and rats and just the, the least of desirable conditions, but yet he had the fullness of the Lord. He never quit. And because of his faithfulness, he was able to be divinely inspired to pen the majority of the New Testament that we have today because of the Apostle Paul's faithfulness, because he never quit, he never gave up, and he continued to be a servant of the Lord. But yet, he had a desire. We'll see today, his main desire wasn't to be, I want to be one of the more known authors of the New Testament. I want to write so many books of the Bible. I want to be known as a famous missionary. Uh, I want to endure trials and tr temptations. I want to be martyred for Christ. None of those were his desire. And for some of us, we have those desires. Now, I understand the genuine intent for some of us is to be greatly used of the Lord in a wonderful and magnificent way. But I'll tell you, the Apostle Paul understood it. And there's something we can look at his life today that we can learn and apply to ourselves as well. So let's look at Philippians chapter 3 and see what Paul's desire truly was and see if we can't have that same desire in our Christian lives today. So open your Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse number 4. The Apostle Paul here, writing to the church at Philippi, he says this, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust the flesh, I more. What he's saying there, he says, I know what it means to have confidence in the flesh, and if there's anybody out there that thinks they have confidence in the flesh, trust me, I've had more, more confidence. This is actually an insult to himself, and he's getting to a point here in verse number five. It says, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. So some of us looking at this would say, what does any of that mean? Circumcised the eighth day was in, in accordance to the law of Leviticus with the young Hebrew children to sec separate them apart as God's chosen people. The stock of Israel, God's chosen nation. The tribe of Benjamin uh, was a revered tribe amongst the Israelites there, and he was of that tribe. And a Hebrew of the Hebrews, he was not just your ordinary Hebrew. He was uh, one of the, one of the uh, more known Hebrews. He had that fame. 
he had that notoriety, even so much so where he says, as touching the law of Pharisee. Many suggested that Pharisees had multiple, what we would consider multiple doctorate degrees. Now again, the Apostle Paul is not bragging here, okay? He's getting to a point. Uh, again, he's saying, as trusting in the flesh, oh, I more. And then that's what he's talking about in verse 5. Listen, I had everything that there is to have in this land. And not only that, in verse 6, he says, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. So he said, you know, I was going after, at that time, he was known as Saul of Tarsus. And he was going after the followers of Christ. And he was doing it for the cause of zeal. He thought he was zealously following the letter of the law. And he thought that those that were going contrary to the Hebrew or Judaistic law at that time were, uh, you know, they were on the wrong side. And he went after them. And he was considered blameless in doing so. But look what he says. He comes to the realization in verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. We won't talk too much about it today, but in the book of Acts, uh, we see that uh, he is persecuting the church and the zeal that he's talking about in Philippians chapter 3. And he's heading down the Damascus road. And it's down the Damascus road that the bright light of Christ shines upon him. And he says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And it is in that moment that the Saul of Tarsus understands who Christ is and that he is born again at that moment and eventually becomes the Apostle Paul. So we're kind of in the midst of that, of what he's talking about here, where he realizes that those things that were once gained to him, he counted loss for Christ. Then in verse number 8 of Philippians chapter 3, it says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And he continues on in verse 9 and says, And be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And then we see here in verse number 10, the Apostle Paul's true desire. And these words, when you think about who Saul of Tarsus was and who the Apostle Paul was, and they're one and the same person, but one is before Christ and one is after Christ, and all the things that he accomplished, being the missionary, being uh, you know Pharisee of the Pharisee, Hebrew of the Hebrews, and uh, doing great and wonderful things, penning the New Testament, missionary journeys, winning people to Christ, and, and doing wonderful, excellent things. But this is the one thing he desired in verse number 10, that I may know him. That was his desire, that he may know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. That I may know him. Is that your desire in the Christian life? You know, many of us can claim to know a lot about the Bible. Some of us are very good at, at, at citing verses when it comes for the sake of maybe winning an argument. Some of us are good at citing verses, just having historical knowledge of the Word of God, which is a good thing in and of itself. But I'll tell you, knowing about the Bible and knowing God are two different things. Growing up as a kid, I watched a lot of football, and I was a fan of the Detroit Lions. Talk about suffering. But nonetheless, I was a fan of Barry Sanders. Uh, still today, I, I believe he's the greatest running back that ever was, is, will be, whatever. He's the best. And I knew a lot about Barry Sanders. Even to this day, if you were to show me a picture 
of Barry Sanders running the football, I could probably tell you what year it was, what game it was, and whether or not the Lions won. And I knew a lot about Barry Sanders and his statistics. Uh, I knew where he went to college. I knew how many yards he ran for. And I knew how he did in each and every game. And I knew a lot about Barry Sanders. But you know what? I don't know Barry Sanders at all as a person. And sometimes we have that same comparison in our Christian lives. We can talk about Jesus. We can talk about God. We can talk about faith. We can talk about religion. We can talk about church. But we have no idea who God is. So what do we do? How can we begin to get to know the Lord our God? And we see some answers here in the beginning of Philippians chapter 3 where he's giving the exhortation to the people in Philippi here. In verse number one, he says, Finally, my brethren, this is the first thing we can do, is rejoice in the Lord. You know, what has God done for you today? He's done something for you. And I know many will say, I praise God because I woke up this morning, and I appreciate that because we should not take life for granted. But God has done more than just wake you up today. Rejoice in the Lord and the things he's doing in your life. And one way we can see what God is doing in our lives is if we ask him, God, where do you want to work on in my life today? And we see here, rejoice in the Lord. Then we see in verse number three, two things. Worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. Just seeking God, listening for that still small voice, and following the guiding of the Holy Spirit. When you become born again, the Holy Spirit instantaneously begins to dwell in you where he belongs, the space that God has created for him to be in your life. And you just listen to that still small voice. And the best time to do that is during our prayer and Bible study. Prayer is us talking to God. Our Bible study or our Bible reading is God talking to us. You're not going to get to know God if you're not spending time in prayer and the Word. And you need to do that. That's one thing Christians are lacking these days because we get busy. And the devil wants us to be too busy to read God's Word and to spend time talking to Him. If he can cut off communication, uh, then we don't know where we're at or what we're doing. And we have a dwindling relationship with the Lord our God. So I'd challenge you to take some time make some time to work on your relationship with God so that you too can get to know him. And as you get to know the Lord, everything else will fall into place. And that's exactly what happened with the Apostle Paul. So let's all of us desire to continue to grow in our knowledge of the excellency of Christ, to know who God is. So let's strive to do that together, shall we? That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And as we continue together to get to know who God is, let's continue to stay faithful.